0: But join me now. Father, thank you for for moms. I pray that they would be honored and feel very special today as they should. Uh, thank you for what you're doing around the globe, that your church is advancing and disciples are being made through local churches. Thank you for the privilege it is to partner uh, with so many. Thank you for this church that is committed and dedicated to Uh, partnering through prayer, through financial support, through deep relationships. Uh, Pray for all our church planters as they're proclaiming the gospel today, as they're gathering in the name of Jesus. Pray that they would feel loved and supported by their brothers and sisters uh, in, in different parts of the world. So thank you for the privilege it is to gather today, to gather to hear your word proclaimed and to worship together as a family.
1: In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks, Travis. And this week, we do rejoice at seeing uh, one person put their faith in Christ, and we rejoice in that. So need to be a part of a church that week by week of seeing people, one, to faith in Christ. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Um, how does a panda open her Mother's Day card? With her bare hands. <laughs> Boo! Oh, Oh, while I'm on a roll, it was Monday. And I, I went into the gym on Monday to make pancakes for the Mops. It was the last meeting of mothers of preschoolers. And when I walked in, there was a young mom there who's a part of Mops but doesn't come to good news. And she looked at me and she saw this old guy kind of stumbling in and she said, may I help you? And I want you to know I am learning to walk by the Spirit, which means I am learning to live life with a 10-second delay. <laughs> because the first things running through my brain were glad you'd be quite proud of me, I didn't say. <laughs> things like, uh, hey, I work here. That's what I thought, but you know, I, I learned to wait 10 seconds and say, you'd have been proud of me. You'd have, I just, what I said was... Um, I'm here to, to, to make pancakes for moms because, good news, we really love moms. Wasn't that a lot better to say than the first thing that went through my mind? And then what began to happen, it was so neat, all these moms started coming in. And uh, here, here's a picture. There's moms and then there's mentor moms. I love that term because in the Bible it talks about older women teaching the younger women, but there's really no such thing as older women. So moms is really good. They call them mentor moms. And so the, the mentor moms are sitting around the table, and they're helping to pass on their faith to these young moms, and it was such a great joy to fix pancakes and watch all this happening. And so I got to watch it. I, I thought it would be great if you'd hear the story of one of the, the moms who was there. Mops has been such a
1: lifeline to me these past couple years. Um, of becoming a first time mom to twins, um, who are almost three now, but um, I have made such a rich um, friendship and community with some of these moms and um, received such spiritual encouragement um, from our table conversations every month. Also wisdom from these seasoned women who um, have gone before us in their motherhood journey. Um, they just share such practical advice as well. Um, But this year I got to serve as a table leader and I got to see that it's also a bridge for those moms who um, maybe wouldn't otherwise find themselves in church right now. Um, We've had several uh, moms who've walked in and they just really are just desperate for community and friendship. And um, so it's been great to be able to point them to Jesus and see some of them even start to attend a local church. So thank you for um, your donation and your support.
0: And thank you, Summer. We can clap. Isn't it great to have a place? In a culture that doesn't appreciate moms, it's great to have a church for, provide moms a place to come and be appreciated. A- another mom just wrote, I have been a part of Mops since my first son was born, and it has been such a blessing. The community it creates with other moms and families is truly life-giving. I love to invite new moms to come hear the gospel and spend time together. So it's a place to be supported, invite moms to come and have community and hear support. And and this was from one of the mentor moms. One of the things that's uh, great about following Jesus is when we follow Jesus, everyone wins. So, So the moms win, but so do the mentor moms. So this mentor mom said, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. It's what the Bible teaches. This describes our table this year in Mops. Encouragement came through love, Scripture shared, encouraging words, and much prayer. Some of the sweetest times and being around these young, precious mamas makes me feel young also. Isn't that great? And and what I saw happening was the mentor moms passing on their faith. That's what we're going to be learning about today. What we're going to be learning about today is about two ladies, And their names are Lois and Eunice and how they passed on their faith. We're going to learn today about two ladies, Lois and Eunice, and how they passed on their faith. Now, we're doing a series of messages on Mother's Day. And here's where it's called Extraordinary Women. You know why, right? John MacArthur wrote a book many years ago called Twelve Ordinary Men. And all the ladies in the church said, well, when are you going to write a, a, a book on women? And he said, what pastor would be fool enough to write a book called 12 Ordinary Women? <laughs> so he actually wrote a book called 12 Extraordinary Women. Husbands, never do this, okay? Never go home and sell your wife. You know what I love about you most? You're so ordinary. <laughs> Don't do that right. I mean, you can have ordinary men, but you can't have ordinary women, right? And so we're doing extraordinary women. And over the last few years, we got to know Jochebed and Hannah and, and Lydia. And today, two of my heroes, Lois and Eunice. And I want you to understand, I have many heroes and only one Savior. You see, the Savior gets it always right. Heroes don't get it right all the time. Jesus saves us, but heroes inspire us. They inspire us morally and relationally and spiritually. And what I'm praying for, moms, as you get to know my friends Lois and and Eunice, they're going to inspire you as a mom to pass on your faith. And dads, what I'm praying for you too is that as you hear this Lois and Eunice, they're going to inspire you too to be a part of passing on your faith. And all of you who want to make disciples, listen, I believe that as we spend time with Lois and Eunice, they're going to inspire us too to pass on our faith. So if you have your Bible turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and I'm going to unpack our point in two stages. First I'm going to introduce you to the characters in the story. So we're going to spend the first half of the message just getting to know the characters and then we're going to spend the second half looking at how they passed on their faith. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse Paul verse Paul I've been a Christian way too long. <laughs> Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Now I want to, first of all, introduce you to the main character in this story. It's not Lois. It's not Eunice. It's not Paul. It's not Timothy. The main character in this story is Jesus. He's the main character in every story in the Bible. He's the main character of the Bible. He's the main character in history. And I want you to notice in this very first verse, he's mentioned twice. Paul says, an apostle of Christ Jesus and to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. And as you look at that, I want you to understand Christ is not Jesus' last name. Jesus' name is Jesus, which means Savior, and Christ is a, it's a title. It means Messiah or, or, or anointed one. So the main character in the story is Jesus. And then I want to introduce you to Paul. And I want you to see that Paul is an apostle. The apostles play a very important role in the church. They were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. And the apostles are the ones who wrote the New Testament. They wrote the New Testament. And the Bible says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles. We're built on the word of God given us by the apostles. And Paul wrote many letters including 1st and 2nd Timothy. Now, um, as the book of Acts ends, if you read through the Bible, you get to the end of Acts and Paul is in prison. And it's believed that Paul would get out of prison after his first imprisonment. He would travel, win more people to Christ, write more letters, and then be arrested again. And then he would be martyred in about 64 AD. And that's about 30 years after his conversion. 2 Timothy is the last letter he wrote. It was the letter he wrote right before he was martyred. Um, so in the first verse we meet Jesus and Paul to Timothy my beloved son. Now Paul was not married. He had no physical children but Timothy was like a spiritual son to him. Um, now I'd like to, you to know a little bit about Timothy. Timothy was a mixed race. He was uh, from a mixed race marriage. In Acts 16 um, we read in, that Paul came also to Derby and Lystra and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer but his father was a Greek. So uh, Timothy was mixed racially. His, his mother was Jewish, his father was Greek. Now what probably happened was during Paul's first missionary journey during Paul's first missionary journey about 47 to 48 AD I've got a map to show you they're from Lystra see where Lystra was that Paul was on his journey and he, and he came to Lystra and and shared the gospel and uh, Timothy probably heard the gospel and was converted during his first missionary journey Well, a few years later, about 50 to 52 A.D., Paul is on his second missionary journey, on his second missionary journey, and notice as well that he comes back to Lystra again. So it's a few years later. He came to faith during his first missionary journey. Now it's a couple years later. And what Paul discovers is that Timothy is really growing Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, and his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. And, And all the people said, Paul, you've got to meet this name Timothy. Timothy is hungry for more. Timothy is hungry for more. And do you know what disciple makers are looking for? Disciple makers are looking for people who want more. And, and, and Timothy was one of them. He wanted more about Jesus. And they said, Paul, you've got to spend time with him. And really, it's disciple makers, You're looking for fat people, right? They're faithful, right? And Timothy was faithful. And they're available. Timothy was available for discipling. And, and he was available. And then he was trainable, right? He was faithful, available, and trainable, trainable. And you know what Paul said? Listen, I'd love to invest in you. And so Timothy became a disciple of Paul. Perhaps his most trusted associate, who many of the journeys, and if you read through Acts, many of the journeys, uh, Timothy's with him. Several of the letters would be written from Paul and Timothy. And um, he would be a pastor and a disciple maker. So he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him. So he wanted to, to train him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in these parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek, and I think some of us that's a little puzzling because we think, I I thought Paul didn't want people to be circumcised. What's going on here? So when people were told that they needed to not only believe in Jesus but be circumcised to be acceptable to God, Paul says, don't do that. But Paul wanted to witness to both Jews and Greeks, and so he had Timothy circumcised so that he would be able to go with him and witness to both Jews and Greeks. So, back to 2 Timothy. Here's Timothy. He's Paul's um, traveling companion, his disciple. My beloved son, Grace... Grace is God's love for ill-deserving people. Isn't grace wonderful? Mercy. Mercy is God's love for helpless people and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you a Christian? Are you thankful for grace? Are you thankful for mercy? Isn't it great that because of Jesus we have peace with God, isn't it? Oh, I thank my God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Isn't that what it's like to be a mom, isn't it? Aren't you constantly in prayer for your children night and day? That's what Paul did with the one he was passing his faith on to. He was continually praying for them, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy." Paul says, I'm about to be martyred. There's one thing I really, really want to happen. Timothy, I would love if you would come and visit me before I martyred. You would make my joy complete. Don't you love Christian fellowship? In a crazy world, isn't it so encouraging to spend time together? For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois. So now we meet Lois. And what do we learn about Lois? She's from Lystra. What do we learn about Lois? That she's the mother of Eunice and she's the grandmother of Timothy. And um, as we see the word grandmother, do you know how many times the word grandmother occurs in all the Bible? One time. This is the only place in the Bible where we read about a grandmother and and its Lois. And because Paul calls her by name, it means that he would have known her. She would have been his friend. And she's identified as Lois both by name and the only time grandmother uh, appears in the Bible. So if grandmother occurs one time, how many times do you think grandfather occurs? This is Bible trivia, okay. One time. Isn't that interesting? One time. And it's in Second Samuel, way back in the Old Testament. David is speaking to Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, David's friend, and the, and the grandson of King Saul. So David said to him, uh, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and will restore to you all the lands of your grandfather, Saul. And you shall eat at my table regularly. So... Uh, David was nice to Mephibosheth because of his father, Jonathan, and his grandfather, Saul. All right, now back to the story. That was just kind of Bible trivia. But uh, what's most important about Lois is that she was a believer in Jesus Christ. Did you see that in verse 5? For I am mindful of this sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois. And I want you to know that Lois and Eunice And Timothy were very unique. They were at the continental divide. Do you know how our country is divided? You you do know, right? There's a continental divide. And everything west of that, the rain that falls, flows into the Pacific, right? And everything that's east of that flows into the Caribbean or to the Atlantic, right? And so there's a continental divide in, in the Bible. And Lois and Eunice and Timothy were on both sides of it. You see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, people were saved, not by keeping the law, but they were looking forward to the day when the Savior would come. They were saved by looking forward to Jesus. And once you cross the continental divide, we're saved by looking back, right? By looking back. And so Lois and Eunice and Timothy, they started out on one side of their life, and on the rest of their life, they ended up on the other side. Um, You see, in the Old Testament, people were saved by faith just like us. In Galatians 3, we looked at this a few weeks ago. In Galatians 3, verse 6, even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Man, Abraham believed in Jesus would come one day and his sins were given to Jesus and he was forgiven and the righteousness of Christ was imputed to him. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. All of us who believe in Jesus, we're sons of Abraham. The scripture for seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Oh, I love that. That God's word, the Bible and God are so closely connected that here it speaks of the Bible as though it were speaking of God, doesn't it? The Scripture... For seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. And you say, Well, how was the gospel preached to Abraham? Saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. God told Abraham that one of your descendants is going to bring salvation to all the nations. And that's what Abraham believed, and that's how he was saved. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. So, Lois. And Eunice and Timothy, they start out on one side of the continental divide. They're looking forward to the day Jesus would come. And then during the first missionary journey, Paul comes and preaches. And the Holy Spirit opens their eyes. He's come. He's come. And now they're saved by putting their faith in the one who has come. Uh, Lois. Um, your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Now we meet Eunice. Uh, And Eunice, um, she's the daughter of Lois. Uh, She was involved in a mixed-race marriage, and her son was Timothy. Um, She's also from Lystra, and she's also a believer. The sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, she had faith, and I'm sure that it's in you as well. Uh, The grandmother to the mother to the son, right? They passed on their faith. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So first, I wanted to introduce you to the characters, right? And we met Jesus, and we met Paul, and we met Timothy, and we met Lois, and we met Eunice. Now we're going to come back and look at Lois and Eunice, and we're going to see how they passed on their faith. Because I believe the moms in the room, what you really want more than anything is to pass on your faith. And, and I believe with dads, that's t- true as well. And I believe those in here who are disciple makers, what you really want to do is pass on your faith. So let's learn from Lois and Eunice. The first thing that strikes me about Lois and Eunice is they went first. They went first. They wanted their children to believe in Jesus, so they believed in him too. They didn't drop him off at... Uh, at Sabbath school, right? And say, this is good for you, but not for me. They went first. I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother. She went first, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and then Lois and Eunice went first. Let me show you in, in chapter 3 of Second Timothy, <clears throat> verse 14. Paul is, he's teaching Timothy, you, however, continue in the things you've learned you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from childhood, really there you could say from infancy, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So as Eunice grew up, what scriptures did Lois had? She had what? The Older Testament, right? The New Testament hadn't been written. And when Timothy grew up, what were the scriptures that his mom and grandmother were sharing with him? It was the Older Testament because the Newer Testament had not been written yet. And what was the central message of the Old Testament? They were the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The Old Testament was filled with the gospel, the bad news of our sin and the goodness of Christ and salvation through faith. And maybe you say, well, where does it teach that? How about about in Isaiah 53? In Isaiah 53, verse 6, do you see this? All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Did you know when the Bible calls us sheep, it's not a compliment? Did you know that? Did you know that? You see, we think of Mary had a little lamb whose fleece were white as snow. No, no. Listen, when the Bible calls us sheep, sheep were dumb. Aren't people? And you know what? Sheep were smelly. And aren't we? And sheep were defenseless. And aren't we? Listen, what the first part of this verse teaches is the bad news, the gospel. We have a problem called sin. God made us, He knows what's best for us. And we push God away and we go our own way. We sin against God through our thoughts. Listen, we don't want the people in the room here to know what we thought this week, do we? But God knows, right? And listen, we can sin against God through our words. We don't want the people in this room to know what we said this week, do we? But God knows. And what we do, we don't want the people in this room to know what we did this way, but God knows. And so we commit crime after crime against God in thought and word and deed. And what the Bible says we deserve because of our sin is what we deserve is hell. You see, we are dumb, smelly, defenseless people and we're hell bound. And what can we do? We can't do anything. Um, But here's the good news. Do you see the good news in the verse? It starts with the bad news. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But here's a good but, right? But... Uh, but God, God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to seek and save sinners. God the Son lived a perfect life for us, and then he went to the cross. You know what happened on the cross? Jesus stretched out his hands this far and says, I love you this much, this much. And you know what he did? The the Lord, God the Father, has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Jesus took all of our sins upon himself. And he died in her place for our sins, once for all, crying out, it is finished or paid in full. He died for our sins. And then he was buried. But the third day he walked out of the grave, proving he had conquered sin and death. And he offers us salvation. And we say, from what? Salvation is salvation from sin, the guilt of our sin. We're guilty. And from the penalty of sin, which is hell, he saves us for forgiveness. He saves us for the opportunity to do life with Jesus and do eternity with Jesus. And what does he require of us? Isn't it faith? Isn't it? In in Acts chapter 16, there's a jailer, and he asks Paul and Silas the question of all questions. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that the most important question of all? Do you know how extremely rare it is as a pastor for anyone to ever ask me, how could I be forgiven? How could I live forever? How could I be saved? The question of all questions is hardly ever asked. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And you know when people ask that question, when they understand the bad news about their sin, then they say, what do I do? And notice... They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Believe in Jesus and you'll be forgiven and you can do life and eternity with him. But Smiley, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, it's really simple. It's as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And listen, if you've never been saved, won't you? One day it'll be too late. Wouldn't you love to go to bed tonight forgiven? Wouldn't you rather do life with Jesus than without him? Wouldn't you rather spend eternity with him than apart from him? You see, the A, the admit, is where it starts. Saving faith begins when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I've said and thought and done things I shouldn't have. I sure have, haven't you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you. Died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus the Savior. Come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? And you can do that now. You can admit or believe and commit. And if you'd like some help as I close in prayer I'd love to give you an opportunity to admit and believe and commit. (laughs) And if you have did you hear what it says? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Thank you Jesus we're forgiven. Thank you Jesus. Every day of my life I get to do life with Jesus. I have a friend who's never leaving. Wow thank you that I get to spend eternity with you. Thank you. And notice what he says. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. The Lord wants us to pass on our faith to our children and our children's children and our children's children. So what we can learn from from Lois and Eunice, if we want our children to believe in Jesus, then what? Let's believe in Jesus. If we want our children to follow Jesus, then what? Why don't we follow him first, right? Uh, remember, Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, um, he said, "And, and it, Moms, isn't this what it really means to pass on your faith? Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. That if you're a mom, you want your children to follow Jesus, well, let them see you follow Jesus, and then invite them to follow you as you follow Jesus, and over the course of time, you can put their eyes on Jesus. Isn't that what it means to be a father, isn't it? Isn't that what it means to be a disciple-maker? We go first. We go first and invite others to follow us as we follow Jesus. So I want you to see, first of all, from the Lois and Eunice, is they went first. To pass on our faith, it's important that we go first. The second thing I want you to see is it was, they were very intentional about passing on their faith. They were incredibly intentional. It was their top priority. Um, Their top priority wasn't prepaying their kids' college fund. Or getting their kid on the right team. What they wanted more than anything else was to pass on their faith to their children. Is that true of us? And, and do you know where they got their instructions on how to pass on their faith? They got it from the Word of God. The great Old Testament passage about passing on our faith is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is called the Shema. And, and here's what Jewish people would say all the time. Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. There's one God, and He's our God. He's the God of our family. He's the God of our nation. Want to pass on your faith? Where does it start? You want your kids to love God? Then you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Since Lois wanted Eunice and Eunice wanted Timothy to love God, they loved God with all their heart and soul and mind. <laughs> oh, That's what I want my kids to know. Not that I'm a good person. I'm not. Oh, but I love God. Don't you? Don't you love him? That's what we want to show. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. The idea of passing on our faith in a very short time, that's what's on our heart. That's what we want to accomplish. That's what was true of them. And then notice what he says. You, the parents, shall diligently talk to your... You shall... Teach them diligently to your sons and she'll talk of them when you sit in your house. That when you have a meal together, you open up the scriptures and you teach them about Jesus. You point them to Jesus, right? And uh, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, when you're driving your kid to some soccer practice or to school, what a great time in the car to talk about Jesus, right? When you put them to bed and when they get up, when it's our top priority, it's what we talk about, right? Because what we want more than anything is to pass on our faith. What does it look like in the New Testament? In the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul is passing on his faith to Timothy because he knows. He knows he's about to be put to death. And so here's his last words of passing on his faith to encourage Timothy. And uh, great words for moms passing on their faith to their children as well. 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul told Timothy, and moms, we need to teach our children that if we're going to follow Jesus in our culture, they're going to be persecuted and be ready for it. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. There are many false teachers. Don't be deceived. How can we keep from being deceived? He tells them, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them. Um, Timothy, never forget, you learn these things from your mother, and she loves you. You learn these things from your grandmother, and she loves you. And you learn these things from me, and you know that I love you. Continue. Uh, Continue. from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. What Lois wanted for Eunice, and Lois and Eunice wanted for Timothy, is first that they would know Jesus, and then secondly, they would follow him through his word. The scriptures make people wise. We want to pass on to our children that we need to believe in Jesus first, and then we follow him through his word. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We want to pass on to our children, the Bible is God's Word. (laughs) Do you know there's a lot of lawyers in my family? And we have one little book, one little book, listen, and it's God's Word. If we want to follow Jesus, wouldn't we want to open it up for our children? And when we say it's God's Word, what do we mean? We mean that it's inspired. It's the inspired Word of God. God breathed into men who wrote down what God intended. And because it's inspired, we believe it's inerrant that God breathed into men and they wrote down exactly what God intended so it's without error. And because it's inerrant, it's infallible. It means it's trustworthy. And because it's infallible, it's authoritative. It's the final rule of faith, what we believe and practice, what we do. So if we want to know how we are, what we are to believe, we read the Scriptures. If we want to know how God wants us to live, we read the Scriptures because they're authoritative and they're sufficient. Sufficient. Everything we need to be saved and to be equipped for every good work is in this little book. Have you ever read it all? Have you? Have you? Listen, we read his word and we pass it on to our children, right? So so what do we learn from uh, Lois and Eunice? That they went first? That passing on their faith was, they were very intentional. It was their top priority. And the third thing I want you to know is they teamed up. They teamed up. What a team Timothy had, right? Verse 14, knowing from whom you've learned them. So you have Eunice. And you know what Eunice did? She reached out to her mother uh, Lois and said, hey, Will you partner with me? And then I think she reached out to to Paul and she brought Paul in there. So Timothy had a team of people that were investing in him. Is that true of us? Do you know that's how it was in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, God took a child and placed him in a family. And the family had the primary responsibility for passing on the faith. But the family wasn't alone. The family was a part of a, a tribe. A wider family, right? The family was a part of a tribe that reinforced the values of the parents. And the tribe was a part of a a nation. An even wider family. And that's why if we want to pass on our faith to our children in a hostile culture, it's so important we team up in a local church so that our kids grow up with other voices besides ours that are pointing them toward Christ and toward the Scriptures. So, Lois and Eunice passed on their faith to their children, and uh, just guess, just guess what the action step is for this week, okay? What I really want you to concentrate on this week is I want you to concentrate on passing on our faith. It's to pass on our faith. Let's learn. Let's learn from Lois and Eunice. Let's go first. If we want our children to believe, let's believe. If we want them to follow Jesus, let's follow Jesus. Let's learn from from Lois and Eunice to make it something that's a top priority, something we're very intentional. It's always on our hearts. It's in our mind. We're seeking to bring our children to Jesus and then to teach them the authority of the Scriptures, right? Let's team up. Let's team up with Jesus and with His people. And I I want to encourage the, the mothers here who are married to unbelievers and I want to encourage the single moms here that I don't know what happened to Timothy's dad, but he either died or he was just not involved at all in the spiritual training. And, uh, and one of the reasons that, um, that Eunice teamed up is so that Timothy would have the, a picture of a, of a godly father in his life, and that's who Paul was, right? Did you hear that in, in verse 2 of chapter 1? To Timothy, my beloved son, Um, Timothy had a spiritual father in Paul to to take the place of the earthly dad that he did not have. So I I want to encourage single moms and those married unbelievers, these women passed on their faith, and, and you can too. And I want to encourage all the moms here and you've really, really tried to pass on your faith, and you've really tried, and you've prayed, and your kids have wandered away from the faith, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up seeking to pass on your faith. I want you to know that our city is named after a prodigal son. Our city is named after a prodigal son who had a godly mother, and he was an immoral partier, and he broke her heart. And she prayed and she wept and she prayed and she wept and she prayed. And some bishop told her, woman, no mother of such tears will ever see her son go unconverted. So one day, Augustine is in Rome, and he hears children singing a song. And the song they're singing is pick up and read, pick up and read. And Augustine opens the Bible to this verse. In Romans 13, uh, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. (laughs) Didn't we just read that the scriptures give us the wisdom that leads to salvation? And where he would read, he was convicted of the bad news of of, uh, of his life because he was an immoral, carousing guy. And then overwhelmed by his sinfulness, the next verse showed him the good news, didn't it? But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. And he saw Jesus. And he trusted Jesus. And Jesus moved into him and his life was radically changed. So moms, whenever you get discouraged, remember Augustine. Remember a mother who never quit praying and how Jesus saved him and his life was changed. Matter of fact, I want to teach you that we live in the greatest city to share our faith with people. I mean, don't we all have friends and family members come here, don't we? And I want to show you that Christianity is all over our city and you can share the gospel by being a tour guide. Let me show you. We often hear today, what, that that Christianity is a European religion, it's a white person's religion, and it's not. So remember, when someone says that, you say, what? No, we follow a Middle Easterner, right? We follow a Jew, And then remind them, do you know who the greatest theologian is in the history of the world? The greatest theologian in the history of the world is an African. And his name is Augustine. You knew that, right? He's African. And you do know where he's from, right? From Hippo. Do you know there's a street in St. Augustine, right? Hippolita or Hippolita. Do you know that city, that street is named after where Augustine is found? It's, listen, the gospel's hiding in plain sight, and now the best of all. Do you know what his mother's name is, the one who loved him so? Her name was Monica. Did you know the nicest hotel in town is named after the mother of a prodigal son who prayed and prayed that her son would come to faith in Christ? So the next time one of your guests comes into town, one of your family members, and they say, will you show me around? You say, yes. Yes, you can pass on your faith as you take them around. You can share with them. Did you know that our city is named after a prodigal son? Augustine. Did you know that the greatest theologian in the history of the church was an African? His name was Augustine. Did you know where he was from? He was from Hippo. Do you know his mom prayed for him? Listen, Open up the Bible. Read to them. This is the verse that changed his life. The bad news and the good news. Wouldn't you like to know him too? You can do it. You can do it. Listen, the city just screams Jesus. So, moms, you ever just think what you really want to accomplish? I really believe if we could ask Lois... Lois, what is it that brought you the most joy in life? I believe she would say, when I saw my daughter Eunice pass on her faith to her son Timothy, I said, yes, yes, Jesus, thank you. I believe the reason I wanted you to know Lois and Eunice is I believe, moms, what will bring you more joy than anything else is to see your children passing on their faith to others. And dads, I wanted you to know, Lois and Eunice too, because I don't think anything will bring you more joy than seeing your children passing on your faith to others. And the reason I shared that with all of you is because as disciple makers, there's nothing that brings us more joy than seeing people that we're pouring our lives into passing on their faith to others. I can't believe we get to do this, right? Oh, this week, we get to pass on our faith to others so they can pass on their faith, and they can pass on their faith until that day when Jesus comes back. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to seek and save sinners Thank you for dying in our place on the cross once and for all. And thank you for not staying dead, rising. And thank you for offering us salvation. Listen, if you've never been saved, don't wait until it's too late. Jesus is here. Won't you accept his free gift? Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and Give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to pray for you and celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray all of those who've received you that we would want to pass you on, especially for the moms. Lord, help the moms, help the dads, help all of us have have a heart that wants to pass on our faith to others. Lord, help moms and dads, help all of us to go first. Lord, help us to make it a top priority in life to pass on our faith so that others can pass on their faith. And Lord, help us this week to team up. And Lord, I pray for all the moms and the dads here whose children are in a far country and are not walking the faith that you would keep us from despairing And we would remember that we live in a city named after a prodigal whose mom never quit praying that her son would come home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Would you stand with us again, please?